Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How do we start these things? Hello, he- hello. <laughs> did we do we used to do radio voices? I think we got a, a criticism one time. We'd be like, "We're shock jocks." Yeah, but that's well, really... hello, Willem. They blink and stop at everybody. Maybe we were a little bit more like that, like seven, eight years ago. Maybe, maybe I Still don't trying know. Trying to find our voice. God forbid we try to be like Howard Stern, that multi, <laughs> multi millionaire. You know. <laughs> Um, all right, I am Ben Kissel. This is Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. That's Marcus Parks. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm just fine. We are. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to because what a crazy week it was. Donald Trump, <laughs> he traveled the world. He went all the way from Canada to Singapore. And in, in one of those places, he made friends with a dictator. And then in one of those places, he really, really angered a fake liberal. So which one was it? <laughs> Justin Trudeau, of course, out of Canada. Uh, extremely upset with Donald Trump because Donald Trump wants to do these tariffs, which truly gave Larry Kudlow a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a bit of a joke there. Larry Kudlow, who I've met multiple times, a nice guy, and we hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. Been an anti-tariff. Of course, he's his chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, yeah. formerly with Ronald Reagan, and then, of course, uh, did quite a bit of cocaine. And he had a bit of an alcohol problem. That's okay because he recovered. Mm-hmm. And who, who doesn't make mistakes in their life? Who doesn't fall every now and again? Then he was a radio host for a while took over as Donald Trump's chief economic advisor after Gary Cohn left because of tariffs, because he could not handle the idea of a Republican president uh, implementing tariffs, specifically not on one of our larger allies, Canada. Nonetheless, at the G7, that's exactly what Donald Trump proposed. Justin Trudeau, the reason I called him a fake liberal was because, and I'm not even necessarily 100% against his uh, energy policies, but he ran on a platform of clean energy, anti-Keystone pipeline, anti-oil, and as soon as he got into office, he backtracked, went into a couple of meetings, and completely changed his mind, and now Canada has the Keystone pipeline, and uh, Justin Trudeau, in my opinion, is bought and sold by Big Oil, despite his beautiful little smile. He's so cute, though. He's so cute. <laughs> He's so, so cute. So handsome. And when I say that, uh, of course, I do. I, I just maligned uh, Justin Trudeau a little bit. I also believe that tariffs against Canada, Canada are absolutely insane. Uh, they are going to hurt the people that Donald Trump promised to help. The manufacturing industry, uh, individuals who are farmers, it's $45 billion industry uh, in uh, in California, maybe big enough uh, to, uh, to handle a bit of a tariff. But in places like Iowa, where we're talking soybean farmers, not making $45 bucks, 
those tariffs are really going to hurt them. And then, of course, you combine that with the immigration policies put forward by this administration, making it much more difficult for them to find the labor that everyone knows they have relied on for many, many years. Marcus has a little bit more information coming up on Jeff Sessions and his uh, just atrocious, I don't think there's another word for it, atrocious, cruel, cruel yeah, yeah. Um, his new immigration policies when it comes to uh, people no longer allowed to seek asylum or no longer have a valid excuse to seek asylum. And then, of course, that excuse is domestic abuse or the idea that a gang wants to kill them. And we hear these stories on a regular basis. Uh, someone's deported. They go back to Mexico or Ecuador. And sure enough, the gangs did want to kill them. And they do indeed follow through with that threat because one thing we know about the cartels they're not funny. <laughs> it's never like, is that tongue-in-cheek? It's always quite a serious threat when made uh, by uh, the cartels, indeed. They're very serious, and they have very long memories. Absolutely, and really a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. And uh, they, they and like, connections into every aspect of the governments of those countries, so they know who's coming back in they at know all times. What, absolutely. And, of course, we also had five. We'll get back to the G, uh, G7 here. Uh, in just one second, we also had five primaries happen uh, this past Tuesday in Virginia, South Carolina, Nevada, Maine, and North Dakota. So we'll go into a little bit of detail on those coming up here in the show as well. It's a good day for brothel owners. That's all I'm going to say when it comes to Nevada. But the Republican primary is just, it's something special uh, to say the least. But And then, of course, we are going to get into the... The biggest, uh, really, it is historic. I hate that that word has been used so much, but technically it's accurate because it's the first time a U.S. president has met with uh, a leader of the Kim dynasty. In this case, of course, Kim Jong-un, the juxtaposition between Donald Trump speaking with our allies and speaking with Kim Jong-un is interesting. And let's start with that right now. So we had the G7 over the weekend in in Canada. Uh it's contentious to say the least. Donald Trump is making no bones about the fact that he wants a new world order. He wants to align uh, the United States uh, politically with different entities than, than in the past, specifically Russia. Uh, in 2014, Russia, of course, led by Vladimir Putin himself, annexed Crimea. That is why they were kicked out of the then G8, hence it's uh, the G7 now. A big issue for Donald Trump was trying to get Russia back in to the G7, again, making it at the G8. No idea really why, a because they were at, they were kicked out for a very reasonable reason, such as invading another country. A big issue, some might say a suspiciously big mm, issue for I don't Donald know. Trump. Is he just leaning in? I think he's the trolling continues. Do you think that's really, I mean, that, that seems, I, I mean, he is very childish. We all do know that. Uh, but do you really think it's just he's just trying to make people angry? And he that's speaks it. with Vladimir Putin on a regular basis. Yes, that we, we know. know. That. We know that perfect. Um, in between, you know, tearing up. Evidently, he tears up a lot of very important memos as well. Yeah, I think and he, they have to. He makes his aides. <laughs> Tape the because he just refuses to not tear them up because it's one of his stupid bullshit childish eighties power tie businessmen moves. It's a power move channeling his uh, Michael Douglas from Wall Street, I suppose. And then high paid staffers yeah. are forced to do a child's job and tape them back together, so we can theoretically hold them at one point or at some point in the Trump 
presidential library. Ugh. So it's going to be full. The Trump presidential uh. library is just going to be full of like duct taped together uh, manuscripts, scotch taped together memos. Uh, it's going to be very interesting and, and uh, perhaps a burning U.S. Constitution as well. Who knows <laughs> what's going to be in the Trump library. If it's anything like the library at the White House, it's going to be a lot of the art of the deal. <laughs> or the art of the pimp. Or the art of the pimp going back to Nevada. We're, we'll get to that in one second. So we had the situation there where Donald Trump is uh, speaking to our allies, our Western allies. Uh, again, very contentious. You have one optic is look at him turning his back on our allies, which is no doubt the narrative that the right wing media would be uh, spewing out if he was a Democrat. The left-wing media is talking about that, being like, what the heck are you doing, buddy? You're, this, this tariff, these tariffs are horrible ideas. Even rational Republicans believe so. It doesn't make any rational sense whatsoever. And then on the flip side, as it always is in this strange sort of dystopian world we live in, people see him as standing up against the new or the old world guard, standing up against uh, globalists. But in reality, Donald Trump... They're all globalists. Yeah. He's meeting with Kim Jong-un. He wants to get Putin back into it. There's nothing not globalist about this administration. He's just talking to the worst people on the globe. Yeah. So uh, that whole thing, I think, is a little bit blown out of proportion that he was somehow standing up to these uh, to these world leaders as opposed to really uh, putting the United States in a precarious position where, you know, the the, the power vacuum we're stepping out of it, and China, they are going to take their place as what they believe to be the rightful um, the rightful heir of world dominant um, country. Well, the only countries that Trump ever really has anything good to say about are the countries that flatter him. You know, of because, course. you know, Vladimir Putin flatters him. And, uh, you know, dotard aside, Kim Jong un also flatters him. Yes. Uh, they make him feel good about himself. But our allies don't take his shit. Our allies don't just take it the way other countries do. Uh, so he hates them. So he lashes out at them. And so he wants to punish them he wants to punish yeah. canada because justin trudeau was mean to him you know and i don't I, who knows how actually like how much real anger there is there i mean kind of these are all very powerful people how angry can they really be uh but yes it does they, the optics are that the that's exactly what the optics are is that he's angering our allies because they don't they didn't give him the lip service that he wanted up top they weren't thrilled when he beat Hillary Clinton, as opposed to someone like Vladimir Putin, who no doubt was extremely happy uh, that the horse in the race, that his horse in the race won, rather. So we do have that situation happening in the G7. It is what it is. No real policy changes. Nothing really uh, happened other than Donald Trump, uh, you know, announcing the desire for tariffs uh, to their face. So he does do that at the very least, I suppose. Now we have to go to Singapore, where the meeting between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un took place. And, uh, man, it was uh, absolutely fascinating, to say the least. Baffling. Uh, baffling. Was also, but things can be baff baffling and fascinating at the same time. They're almost the same word. <laughs> they are. Um, okay, so what actually happened here, other than, uh, again, the, the historic nature of the meeting, I do say one positive thing, and I think it's a big positive thing, as we were talking about before the show. I think we are less likely to have a nuclear confrontation right now with North Korea than we were uh, nine, ten a year ago, you know. So that's that's what, good. Nine, ten a year ago when he was making the threats towards 
Kim Jong Un. Yes, of course, and Kim Jong uh, Kim Jong Un uh, saying very similar threats as well to the United about the United States wiping us off the face of the planet, and vice versa. Really, a lot of saber rattling going on. Who knows if that worked or if it didn't work, or if the Kim Jong Un's nuclear program isn't quite as ready to go as he thought it once was. There was a collapse in the actual place where they were, you know, creating all the uranium that would be used for the nuclear program, there was a massive collapse in this mountain where they were uh, creating all the stuff. So perhaps this nuclear program really got a blowback there, and it uh, kind of halted the manufacturing of um, of the things needed to create a nuclear program or to to create a nuclear bomb. Who really knows? But the things that we did end up getting there. The four principles is the United States and uh, and North Korea will commit to establish a new United States and North Korean relations in accordance with the desire of the people of the two countries for peace and prosperity. What does that mean? Well, they they peace <laughs> and prosperity. What does that mean? Nothing about this means anything. This is a agreed to talk again. Okay. This is okay. all this is. This is all like right. you had. So a we no- had a meeting to make. Time for another meeting. You had a nice Tinder date, and now this is like, it's a handshake goodbye and be like, yes, and then you scheduled, maybe you're going to go see Hereditary or something like that in mm-hmm. the very near future. That's really all this is. The U.S. and the North Korea will join join their efforts to build a lasting and stable peace regime on the Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is very similar to the, to the four principles, by the way. Um, that President Moon of South Korea signed with Kim Jong-un as well. So it's not the most shocking stuff here. It reaffirmed the April 27th, 2018 uh, Pan Munjom Declaration. Hmm. Pan Munjom Declaration. Pan Munjom. Nailed it. <laughs> and it commits to work the complete de- for the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And the U.S. and the North Koreans commit to recovering uh, POWs and getting our MI, getting our POWs back uh, from North Korea. So yeah. that's, you know, that'll be good. I, uh, there, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, those, those are positive things, positive steps in the, in, in the right direction. The, the the fear of nuclear war, it's nice to ha- not have that looming overhead. Let's not forget what happened in Hawaii where the, the speaking of dotards, yeah. the real <laughs> dolt was like, it's a real test uh, or it's not a test. It's a, it's a real missile coming over. But then we also have the situation where Kim Jong-un is now on the world stage being seen with the sitting president of the United States. And the sitting president of the United States is saying what a lovely, wonderful man Kim Jong-un is, completely losing sight of the fact that this is still, at this point, possibly the worst dictator in the world. Uh, putting the American flag right next to they the were, North Korean They were flag. kissing. They were kissing. I mean, it's just, it, it makes, that makes me angry. The symbolism yeah. of that makes me extremely angry. And let's not forget, there's over 100,000 people in, in enforced uh, prison camps that we know of in North Korea. The people are starving. Uh, the, there's roughly 20 to 25% of the 25 million population that are like the political class, and they live okay. It's still not that great. Uh, but the people of North Korea are just in dire straits, treated horribly. They have, you know, can't wear, if you're a gal, you can't wear uh, pants. If you're a guy, you can't have a hairstyle like Kim Jong-un. So there are some good things um, <laughs> about the policies. 
Hey there, I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi. Here for Filter Easy. I love living in New York, but one thing I don't love about it is the air pollution. Even if you have AC filters, how are you supposed to remember when to change them? Too often, changing your AC filter falls below organizing your sock drawer on the to-do list. Ha! Outsmart your chore list by signing up for Filter Easy. Filter Easy is a super convenient subscription service that makes it impossible to forget to change your air AC filters. Filters arrive at your front door when you need to change them. It's that simple. Sign up in under five minutes on your computer or mobile phone. To sign up, all you need to know is how many air filters your home needs and your filter sizes. The vast majority of homeowners and renters forget to change their air filters regularly. With Filter Easy, you don't have to remember to change your AC filters because they do the remembering for you. When it's time to change them, they'll be at your doorstep. Poor indoor air quality is a considerable health risk. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, ranks poor indoor air quality as one of the top five environmental health risks. In fact, indoor air can be two times to five times more polluted than outdoor air. The World Health Organization, WHO, has reported that roughly 4 million premature deaths occur annually due to exposure to household air pollution. Filter Easy is a convenient subscription service for something you need versus most other subscription boxes. It's super practical and a no-brainer solution. That's why I subscribe to Filter Easy. And for listeners of this program, you can receive your first order free by visiting FilterEasy.com or by calling 1-855-910-EASY-3279. Make sure you use the offer code TOPHAT. Sign up today at FilterEasy.com to get your first order free. That's FilterEasy.com or call 1-855-910-EASY. Make sure you use offer code TOPHAT. But uh, I do think that when we have a sitting U.S. president just going over there and saying how much Kim Jong-un loves his people, yeah. uh, obviously state media in North Korea are going to run with that yeah, as far forever. As they, forever as far as they possibly can. And it uh, doesn't really incentivize Kim Jong-un to make any changes when no. it comes to the unbelievable human rights violations that his party and, uh, and he himself constantly um, constantly pull off there on his citizens. Well, first of all, like I, I'm thankful that the threat of nuclear war is no longer above us. And they said it wasn't uh, going to be a comfortable four years, maybe six and a half more years of Donald Trump. Yeah, that, I mean, I that, that I have nightmares about that shit. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, it's not good. No, it's not good. I, I have nightmares about it. It keeps me up at night. Uh, but Donald Trump should not be applauded for partly for putting out a fire that he partly helped to start. I mean, the North Korean fires were already going, and Donald Trump decided to throw a big cup of gasoline all over it. Yeah. Uh, so that cannot be forgotten. No. That we would not have been at the point that we were at without him throwing that gasoline on that fire with Little Rocket Man and all the all and fire and the Although fury I don't even and know all if, of that bullshit. You know, I'm not even sure if that stuff translated. Because it, then he came back with the dotard line. and all, But, you know, it, this does... No, threatening it, someone with thermonuclear destruction absolutely translates. Yeah. I don't know if the stupidity of Donald Trump's rhetoric translates. No, they took it very seriously. No, I, yeah, but I don't... Yes, but I think they... <laughs> 
They're losing sight on how dumb it sounds to the American people because yes. there is some controversy or conversation. And Dennis Rodman knows the answer to this question, which is so crazy. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that um, be great to see to see? Oh, the U.S. president is going to North Cor- to Singapore to meet with North Korea, and Dennis Rodman is following right behind. Well, he was being repped by Potcoin.com. <laughs> I mean, come on, what's the guy going to do? He had quite a breakdown interview with. Uh, with the son of a governor and the brother of a, uh, the brother of another governor, the working class hero Chris mm. Cuomo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but of course, he was talking about how he spoke with Kim Jong Un, and the question that really a lot of people do want to know is how good is his English? We just don't really know. I would assume he, it has to be okay. He knows German. Of course, he was yeah. Western educated. Um, I would assume that he knows how to speak English. At yes. least definitely better than Donald Trump knows how to speak North Korean. <laughs> that's, that, that, I think, is a safe bet to say. Yeah. And, okay, so first of all, that's, yeah, that is definitely a point that needs to be made. Uh, second, uh, big thing that we're giving up here is the military exercises. Yeah. Uh, these military exercises, uh, they aren't just done for show because we know that North Korea, the majority of their strength is in ground forces. They've got a lot of ground forces. They've got a lot of soldiers out there. We need they to do. have our soldiers ready. That's what war games well, exercises that, are. They need to be ready. That was actually one of the concessions that was made with Moon and Kim Jong-un as well. So that's one of the interesting things about it. Donald, the, this is like so classic. Kim Jong-un, President Moon did Donald Trump's homework for him. Yeah. And then the U.S. basically took that model and just rolled with it and copied and pasted. And I know the U.S. and Pompeo and, uh, you know, uh, perhaps Bolton to some degree did have some say in what that meeting was all about. With the South Korean, uh, with the South Koreans and the North Koreans, but that was actually something that the South Koreans wanted as well because they do want to begin the process of peace. All right, and All right. so it it's one of those things where how far can we trust this guy? And then I think with the U.S. If you're the South Koreans, if you're the North Koreans, the Chinese, or the Canadians, how hard, uh, how far, um, how, how much can you trust Donald Trump and his administration to follow through with their with their promises as well? So I, I, I'm not necessarily against it, but of course, as you said, Marcus, we have to be extremely cautious and not overly optimistic. It, this is very possibly just a long, a long con, a long play by the leader for life in North Korea. I just don't, I don't really see what, uh, I don't see what we gained out of this. Uh, I I see Kim Jong-un gaining a lot. I mean, and the biggest just being the legitimacy of, sure. of having, you know, of meeting yeah. with the president and and having the president say to him that, uh, that he hopes <sighs> they both look handsome and thin in the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can uh, hope in one hand and crap in the other. God, have you seen that video of Donald <laughs> Trump saying that and they pan over to Kim Jong Un, and he looks very concerned about the uh, about the comment. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, it says because uh, Donald. <laughs> did you see? Have you seen it? No, I didn't see it. There's uh, they're taking pictures. They're sitting across oh, from a table from each other, and there's a video. Ca- there's a camera on Trump, and he says, uh-huh. "Yeah." Take good pictures. Make sure we both look handsome and thin. That's, and then it pans over to Kim Jong-un immediately, and he looks horrified. Lost uh, in translation. confused. Completely confused. He didn't get the bit. He didn't, <laughs> because the bit is, Marcus, the bit is, they're both fat. And ugly. But, 
Get it? Do you? I feel like you're missing the bit too. Come yeah. on. Oh yeah, and I guess I also missed the bit where uh, where he said, uh, and maybe he'll go back on in six months, and if he doesn't, I'll He'll make up, up some excuse. Yeah, exactly. Which is the most honest quote that I've seen Donald Trump have in quite a while. So yeah. good but for his, him. But on the other hand, his supporters are, are going to applaud that and say, look at how funny he is. Or they're going to say, well, at least he's honest about it. And then six months down the line, they'll yeah. swallow that excuse too. Uh, and they'll... You know, they'll well, just keep going because nothing nothing is going to stop. The, the only thing I can see uh, that stops Trump supporters right now is something absolutely cataclysmic. Because I remember... I don't even see if that would stop them, honestly. I mean, I mean they'll, they'll just see that as further proof that we need a hardline president. I yeah. mean, I mean well, I just remember back in the, in the Bush years, uh, people were <laughs> very... Ston- like, they were very pro-Bush. If someone was pro-Bush, you could not convince them otherwise. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's still the case. Until... 2008 and then when the crash came in 2008 a lot of people that were unsure you know that were starting to become hardcore a little more bushers are out there to this day they'll always be there but yeah yeah hardcore bushers are out there to this day but there are very few of them oh yeah. uh and i think when 2008 came when the the market crash came uh and also after seeing just the absolute disaster that was iraq uh that's mm. it took uh, and that's the amazing thing is that it took so many bush it took them eight years to come to their senses well, and about it. Of course, it. you know, they I think Bush left office somewhere in maybe like the early thirties or mid twenties in the polls. It was it was I pretty think it abysmal. Was, I think it was low thirties. I think it was um, like thirty one. But what's the difference here? We don't have a war going on with Donald Trump. He's trying to do kind of the opposite. You know, how did all this stuff start? We have just decades and decades of strategic patience, which obviously was a policy that wasn't paying off. This is kind of a perfect storm of events when it comes to timing. Kim Jong un yeah, what has he been in office now for four or five years? Got in there at 29, which is totally insane. Murdered a lot of relatives and people who are high up in the uh, in the North Korean military. His second in command slash his uncle murdered with a quite aggressive uh, firearm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a missile. Yeah, uh, borderline missile. Fed a couple of the dogs, right? No, I think that's a myth. Oh, you think that's a uh, myth? Yeah, that's, that's a myth. I, okay. I'm pretty sure that's been debunked a bunch of times, although let's just say it's true. I mean, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it who doesn't cares? matter hey, anymore. It's, it's 2018. The, it's the post-truth era, man. I'm, yeah. I'm just, all I'm doing is following the example that my president has set for me. Following the trend. Uh, so now we have a situation where North Korea is more open than ever before, which is extremely, extremely closed. But with technology the way that it is, it's almost impossible to keep uh, the hermit kingdom in the dark as much as they would have liked. So Kim Jong-un, he see, he sees the, the, the tea leaves here. He sees um, where the winds are blowing, and he knows that he's going to have to give his people a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and that, of course, has to come from uh, the limited get, rolling back of the of the sanctions and getting that economy going just just a little bit because right now the entire North Korean economy is basically they're like moonshiners it's all bootleg yeah. it's fakes it's it's uh, uh, fake cigarettes uh, I mean real cigarettes what do you call that when they're fakes not really the brand imitation imitation cigarettes there's another word for it knockoff counterfeit counterfeit yeah. their whole their whole economy is just based off of counterfeit goods yeah that's what they do they make the majority of counterfeit jeans counterfeit cigarettes that's their whole thing and of course some uh, weapons proliferation as well they make some money there but they don't really have 
an, an economy because they haven't been able to uh, work on the in, the in the international community legally whatsoever. So the whole economy is like a Batman villain. It's all just like super <laughs> sketchy. Um, and so Kim Jong-un, you know, he knows what he has to do in order to stay in power for life because his people are becoming more aware that they have it extremely bad. Uh, and this is a big win for him in that area. So it's kind of a perfect storm. It's a big win for Donald Trump in a lot of ways. Uh, and then, of course, it's a big win for Kim Jong-un in a lot of ways also. If it creates more peace, I'm all for it. I just think, um, you know, the way that the way that the whole thing is being spun by by both sides is uh, it's a little extreme. It, it was a good meeting. Uh, again, it's a meeting to meet again. And what really came from it, step in the right direction. They're going to discuss further talks in regards to denuclearizing North Korea. However, we also have the situation where John Bolton. Uh, we we got him up there as security advisor. You got Pompeo. They're both publicly talking, specifically John Bolton, about the Gaddafi model yeah. and Kim Jong-un. That stuff is not lost on him. The Gaddafi model was have him give up his nukes, which he did, promise him some cash, which we gave him, and then abruptly decided that he was no longer a use to us, and he ended up with a golden gun where the sun does not shine. So Kim Jong-un knows that as well. So the idea that he gives up his nuke program completely does away with all of the leverage that he has, which is just the nuke program, uh, I, I'm not there yet. The only thing that keeps the United States out of a country is nukes. You know, oh, if absolutely. We, if we don't, They're not wrong. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. you know. And the, these other nations out there who aren't, who aren't nuclear powers yet, they see this and they're like, oh, well, all right. I know exactly how to get the United States' uh, attention. Let's ramp it up. Yeah. You know, let's get let's get those nukes going, and the U.S. will have to care about us and pay attention to us and sit down at the table with us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so. he's just he's it's this is going to be uh, <clears throat> hate to use a, a term that <clears throat> was used in something so terrible, but you know, it's a possible domino effect. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, and especially you know when we have a situation where theoretically we want to limit nuclear pro- uh, proliferation, this this could add uh, to that. And it could lead to more countries who perhaps, again, want the U.S.'s attention, uh, who want to be considered uh, on the level of the United States on the international stage. Perhaps that does send a negative message to them. And the rhetoric that Donald Trump used, I, I don't think it can be stressed enough. You can't just say this guy is a great person, loves his people, because it's not true. Kim Jong-un is, is, is a mass murderer. Still is. Still is today. Despite the fact that our president said he was not. And uh, so that's really what we got out of it. Um, an agreement to talk again. And for both sides, I think it is really push comes to shove. If you just have to break it down from an analysis perspective, probably a winner for both. Well, it was a winner for Trump as far as his supporters go, uh, and as far as his uh, new, as far as his language goes, the man has no nuance. He has, no, he has up and no down. Nuance. He has this. Uh, this is the best person in the world. He's absolutely or tremendous, or the the absolute worst person in the world. He he doesn't know yeah. how to speak. No, he. I mean, it's he, you know that's why what the little Bob Corker. Uh, the individual out of Tennessee there, that senator who is not no longer running uh, or is not running for re-election. That's why he's out there today calling uh, Trump and, uh, and and Trumpers. You know, it's like a cult and things like that. And it really does have the rhetoric it of a is. cult. Although I don't really care what Bob Corker has to say, quite no. frankly. And that's the one it, that is one thing that's kind of aggravated me is like MSNBC is like just airing Bob Corker over and over again. I'm like, this guy is one of the he's a huge 
I'm going to say he's a D-bag. Yeah. And he's out of Tennessee. He's just a typical Republican scumbag, bought and sold, promising small government, promising tax relief, never delivering on anything. And just because he doesn't like Donald Trump doesn't mean that he's a good person or was a good politician. The fact of the matter is he's just not going to get reelected. Yeah. So he didn't run. Yeah, we're playing a, a huge game. In this country, we're playing a huge game of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Huge game. And yeah. I, I just want to make sure that we remember that, too. Like, Jeff Flake, these people are not like... They're not great. Just because they don't like Donald Trump doesn't mean that they were particularly great politicians themselves. Yeah. Um, although I do think the analogy holds true. Trumpers um, are cult. It's a cult-like phenomenon in the in, to the degree that they don't care what's true. They just want to buy in. Yeah. And they have bought in. And I do think that this helps him with uh, more moderates and stuff, too. I mean, what what can you do? I was I was happy when Obama went over to Cuba. A lot of people on the right was like he were like he's talking to dictators. He's validating Fidel Castro. I'm like, dude, that was it was kind of a different story. Obviously, much Cuba different being story. so close to us, uh, having Florida is basically it's very Cuban population here. They were very upset. The Cubans of Florida were very upset because yes, they, they know what that regime was all about. But it's time to open up relations with Cuba for yeah. crying out loud. I mean, it's not like Europeans are going to North Korea because that's the only place that Americans don't go to vacation. Right. Uh, but they were doing that with Cuba. You know, plenty of people like Cuba was a, a much, much different situation than North Korea. But the right freaked out. Yeah, They're like, he is hanging out with the worst people on Earth. And I'm like, I think Fidel Castro was like on a lung machine or something. I don't think yeah. the guy was talking or <laughs> barely breathing at the time. No, but not at all. Nonetheless, a lot of hypocrisy going around um, both sides. But again, that's where we're at right now. It went better than it could have. It went much better than it could have. And I think we have to be a little bit optimistic because we're talking about uh, a bunch of folks who have weapons that are pretty powerful. And just, we want everything to be okay. Just remember, our bar is now at we didn't all die. That's, where That's our, really where it always is, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, the bar should be a little higher just than a, that. Well, you maybe that's, be, that's, that's the lowest bar there is, is we didn't yeah. all die. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, speaking of death, and we can move on here in a second. I was just uh, reading a little article on Otto Warmbier, who was tortured uh, brutally by uh, by uh, Kim Jong Un, and it, it's you, you do wonder what his parents must be thinking. Donald Trump says they're good friends and they talk all the time. Yeah. But I wonder if that's true. I really do. I I, I would imagine that his parents aren't too thrilled seeing the man who uh, murdered their kid uh, being validated as a lovely, loving person to his people, and certainly the ones that we have captive. Over there. Um, all right. Well, let's move on briefly here to the primaries. Speaking of Donald Trump, everyone that he supported won. Yeah. He actually beat this guy. And talking and going going back to that little conversation we had about schmucky Republican politicians, and of course, there's a lot of schmucky Democratic politicians too. But we'll talk about Republicans right now. Uh, Mark Sanford. He is. Uh, he was running as U.S. representative out of South Carolina. This is the guy who left the state. I believe he was governor at the time, mm -hmm. and he went to meet with his mistress. I want to say it was in Argentina. It was in Argentina. Okay, and he left for, what, I believe two weeks. And the excuse from his press secretary was he was hiking in the Appalachian Mountains. The Appalachian and, Trail. The Appalachian Trail, mm -hmm. which, again... That's not the job we hired you for. No one, no one was like, we want to hire a nature enthusiast to be our governor. Yeah, but that was obviously a lie to cover up a much worse situation where he's out there um, uh, having a, uh, a sexual affair with an Argentinian woman. Of course, he also brought his wife out, and it was just so 
freaking pathetic. Uh, I hate those. Anyway, that, no, that did not make him no longer a viable politician for South Carolina. The fact that the budget in South Carolina was absolutely horrendous. He basically did an awful job. He was... Back in the day, considered a very conservative Republican, Mark yeah, Sanford. I, I mean, remember. He was on the forefront of sort of the Tea Party and, and Freedom Caucus. Yeah. But he made one crucial error in a Republican primary in South Carolina. He went against the great cult god that is Donald Trump and lost to a Trump-supported state legislator named Katie Arrington. It was uh, 51% to 47%. Very interesting. Speaking of people who support uh, Donald Trump, he also got uh, a lot of support from the man who ran a very famous brothel in Nevada. As a matter of fact, there was, was it the HBO series or Showtime? I think it was Showtime. And it was called The Bunny Ranch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was it really? I never saw that show. I think it was called The Bunny Ranch. I, I don't know. I would never watch that show. <laughs> I, no, I don't know. I, no clue. No clue. But this dude, he, he's the bald-headed guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He calls himself Trump from Pahrumpf. Trump from Pahrumpf. Uh, he ended up winning as well. Uh, okay. So, Wrote a book called The Art of the Pimp. The Art of the Pimp. The Bunny Ranch Man himself has won in uh, Nevada because uh, apparently the power of uh, Donald Trump, as well as uh, the Sean Moody out of Maine. He won the Republican nomination to replace the term-limited governor, Paul LePage. lot of Trump supporters out there sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, contradicting what was considered. Well, actually, no, that's not true, because, of course, we're talking the primaries here. In the primaries, Donald Trump has been relatively successful. Obviously, he lost in Alabama supporting Luther Strange and then inevitably supporting Roy Moore. We saw what happened there. Mm. So who knows what happens to these folks in the general? But it does seem, as Marcus mentioned on the last episode, I believe, Trump's approval rating amongst Republicans is extremely high and getting higher. So he does do well. He does help in Republican primaries, as we saw with the five states uh, that had their primaries this past Tuesday. So uh, interesting stuff. Uh, very interesting stuff. You know, and the, the hope, the big hope here uh, is that um, the support that Trump has in the Republican Party mm. will not carry over into general well, elections. But on the other hand, most states are so horribly gerrymandered uh, that it would take a, a miracle for uh, the House for the seat to flip. If you are concerned, the blue wave, this whole kind of cliche at this point, Democratic primary turnout has been very high. Yeah. Very, very high. Uh, my friend was just breaking down some things in Wisconsin. Uh, the polling data is looking absolutely great. If you're a Democrat out there, uh, certain people are uh, winning in districts that Paul Ryan won, or uh, Scott Walker uh, won, rather, by nine points. The, the Democrat seems to be swinging positively in that um, in that district. So there's a lot of positive signs when it comes to voter turnout. It does look, it's hard to tell where the enthusiasm is. Mm -hmm. I think Trump, there is no denying that the Trump train is, you know, Trump is constantly putting uh, coal on that thing and it, it continues, uh, you know, to kind of hum down the, ro uh, the railways there. But I do think if you are a Democrat, there's reason to be positive um, because the, the voter turnout is there. And they are picking candidates that 
are suitable for the district. Yeah. Some more progressive, some more moderate, but that's what it's got to be because they are supposed to represent their districts, and that's the way the districts work, So, as we all know. So that was uh, an interesting little factoid, the most interesting factoid really from the primary, and obviously cannot wait. We're getting closer. Each primary is getting us one step closer to <sighs> November, which will be a very exciting time. We'll see if the Democrats can get back uh, 23 seats in the House and, and take the House. Uh, obviously, they need what, about four or five Senate seats. It's very di- very difficult, uh, to say the least. But nonetheless, that's just a little bit on the primary. Today's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat is also brought to you by the Black Tux. Listen, if you're anything like me, you're getting a lot of wedding invitations sent your way. Weddings are supposed to be a cause for celebration, but too often a wedding invitation means spending too much time getting a rental suit or a tux or spending too much money buying a suit. When you're bringing a date, you have to dress to impress, but it has to be convenient. That's where the theblacktux.com comes in. The Black's Tux has awesome suits and tuxedos and all kinds of styles, and you rent them online. You know, the Black Tux, they hooked me up, and I gotta say, they made me look great. I'm looking at their website right now and I'm already planning out what I'll wear to some upcoming weddings. You know, I've got like five to go to. I was dreading finding a tux to wear to a black tie event coming up this summer, but I've got my eye on their midnight blue tuxedo. The Black Tux offers the kinds of suits and tuxedo styles that would normally be wildly expensive to buy and you might only wear it once. For example, TheBlackTux.com has the Emerald Shawl Tuxedo. It's funky, it's cool, but how many times are you going to wear an emerald green tuxedo? With the Black Tux, you can do you and blow it out for your big one-time event. So try out a new look, do something different, and take your style to the next level. With the Black Tux free home try-on, you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event, and if anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a replacement right away. And remember how simple returns are. Wear it, turn heads, then send it back three days after your event. Shipping is free both ways. Stand out at your event for the right reasons with the Black Tux. To get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash top hat. That's theblacktux.com slash top hat for 20 bucks off your purchase. The Black Tux, premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. And then we also have to get to an issue that I don't think is getting enough press. It's getting some press, but I think that this should be on the headlines of every single newspaper. Jeff Sessions is just as bad as we ever imagined he could be, despite being handcuffed by a president who hates him. And speaking of my enemy, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. In this case, I love Donald Trump because he (laughs) hates Jeff Sessions. Um, Someone's going to isolate that sound. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Jeff Sessions, he is really in complete control over the United States immigration policy right now. And as a caveat, as we all know, Barack Obama, I think far too hawkish, far too extreme, far too conservative on immigration. However, we have uh, Obama 3.0 in in Jeff Sessions because now we are not just deporting people who are criminals, who are felons. Uh, We are deporting Anyone, as we saw with that individual who delivered pizza to the Navy or to the Army base and was detained. You saw that story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, unreal. He, he ended up getting out of it, you know, uh, like only it, because of the public outcry. He's yeah. on the cover of the New York Post. Yeah. I mean, only because the public paid attention to that specific case. Yeah, I mean, how it's many other, all over the place? Yeah, how many other guys are being? I mean, there are so over many. a thousand children that have been taken away from their parents Man, at the border. At the border. Uh, I mean, and, have you read any of the? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just go and read. I think it was a New York Times 
Times article uh, that interviewed some of the foster parents that are taking care of these kids that have been ripped away from their yeah, parents, yeah. And, and it fucking ruined, it ruined my day. It's it's oh, one yeah, of the it's, it's so heart wrenching and it's so cruel, so horribly unnecessarily yeah. cruel. I understand. We it, a nation needs borders. I get it. Okay. I get it too. I, we all understand, fuck, man. But at the same time, things can be handled in a humane way. And the way that Jeff Sessions and obviously piggybacking on the rhetoric of Donald Trump, it's anything goes uh, when it comes to immigrants. Do anything um, to immigrants that you want because they don't have that C uh, in citizenship next to their name. So now we have the situation where kids are being ripped away from parents at the border. Evidently, they're telling some parents that they're just taking their kids for a bath, which yeah. if that doesn't uh, that doesn't remind you of anything. Yeah. You know, that's not good. Yeah. That's, I don't like to hear bath or shower when families are being separated. Uh, that's not a good, um, a good uh, omen there whatsoever. And then, of course, Jeff Sessions has just said, if you want to seek asylum here, a reason to do so is no longer spousal abuse or... Uh, being wanted or hunted down by a gang. So it really is just so sad the way that the U.S. immigration, uh, what we're doing right now on immigration is just so sad. And we got to do better. We could do better. Obama could have done better. W could have done better. They all could be doing better. And uh, it's just such an easy political win because you galvanize a lot of these people out there who want to know why they're not doing as well as they could and they want to look at someone who's doing worse. And it's mm-hmm. just such a political winner for so many people all across uh, the country. And it's just really unfortunate. I think if people humanized, you know, if, if they really look at these issues one by one, such as the pizza guy, by the way, it was fun. The comments were hilarious. I think it was actually on a drug. I think I read it on Drudge Report. And the comments were like, deport him, deport him. And then people read the article and they're like, he could stay. <laughs> like even even drudge readers yeah. who were like deport him, who said that initially, deport, deport, deport. We're like, I don't I don't know about this one. Yeah. And I think if you really do a deep dive uh, into the majority of deportations, uh, that would be the case. So they just see that they're people. You just see they, that they're people. They have to depersonalize them so much in order to make them themselves, in order to sleep at night, that they're right. that they're supporting this sort of behavior. They're supporting this sort of bullshit, yep. and they have to dehumanize them in order to feel even an ounce of self-respect. Right. Because if you have an... Like, I do not see how anybody can support Trump and support these policies. Mm. And just the children being ripped away from their parents alone, just that alone, how you can see that, how you can read about that, how you know that they're doing it, how you know they're proud that they're doing it, mm-hmm. and still have an ounce of self-respect, I don't see that. I don't, I, don't I, don't, I don't see how that can happen. And then, of course, we do have to look at the at the other side, the other extreme. We do have the... I think the unfortunate addition to felons being allowed to stay in places like San Francisco with the sanctuary city, I think they overcorrected a little bit. Yeah, I that's think the an overcorrection. Felons, felons should be get them out of here. Get them out. We get, have to. We have to make sure our people are safe as well. So it's just, yeah. as always, because, extremely difficult to find uh, any rational policies happening right now in this country. With Obama, the whole uh, deporter-in-chief thing, that was he was deporting felons. Right. The you know, MS-13 like, gang, which <laughs> like, is evidently, like Kim Jong-un, the most the, the most famous people around now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, oh, he's done so much for branding for the MS-13. Oh, yeah, My dude. God. But, uh, what a perfect enemy for that gang to have. And I hate president, this gang. They are horrible. The but pres- the president. Yeah, like literally the president. <laughs> it's like... 
it, we, we've turned into like a Nintendo game. Yeah. Uh, it's, Unbelievable. It's crazy. It really uh, is. But I, I just don't... But, you know, he did deport a lot of people. George W. Bush deported a lot of people, but they never were They were never doing it with malice. Well, and I never guess, once you know. doing it with malice. And, it, and everything that this administration is doing when it comes to immigration it is done with a spirit of malice. Yeah. You can't look at it any other way. No, I mean, that's the whole, that is the, that is the Trump political brand. And, of course, this is something that Jeff Sessions has talked about doing for a very long time. And, uh, and now he finally has the chance to be the attorney general none of us wanted him to be. I just, so. I just don't know who is okay with living in this country. Like, well, I don't know who's... I'm a, not okay with that aspect of it. That's for damn sure. But you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mean by this country, I don't mean America in general. I mean this type of America. This yeah, kind of America. Absolutely. Like, there. I don't know who is okay. Like, I don't know why you would be okay with living in this kind of America. Why you would think back to the generations that came well, before us and the decades and the back to the founding fathers it, and ask, like, is this what you think we all wanted? Nation of 320 million people here. We're talking about a minority group in of a minority group, uh, Hispanics mainly, we're talking 10, 15 million people, out of sight, out of mind, political winner, you know? I mean, it's just, they're, it's a small enough group, and they're not citizens, so they have no constitutional rights. It's just a, it's just a political winner for the minds of, of some people, and uh, it's, it's sad to see. It is sad to see. It's the it's the biggest black mark on this administration, and there are a couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, in my opinion, his Donald Trump's immigration stance is is uh, is the worst thing that uh, that any administration in my lifetime has done domestically. Yeah. George W. Bush, the worst foreign policy president that we've had. Uh, Obama did some pretty had some pretty crappy things go through too. But when it comes to immigration, I, I think Donald Trump might take the cake. And the worst domestic policy being put forward. This but. is the worst domestic policy since Japanese internment camps. Well, and it's it is Japanese internment camps. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at except you look those at were, well, those, these folks. those were American citizens. So yeah, it's well, that's true. That's true. So that's, Good point. That's, you know, that's got a, a different twist to it, without a doubt. It's not. Yeah. It's not as bad as that. It's not on that level. But this is the worst thing we've done domestically since then. Yes, and of course, you know, they're being housed in the private prisons and. They're all, all humans all of that at stuff. the end of the day. They're they all are. fucking humans. They are humans, and there has to be a path to citizenship. And uh, it's obvious. Um, I, I think that we could absorb uh, those people. I, I mean, you know, it, it just has to the, – the process has to be – there has to be a process towards citizenship. Everyone agrees. And the crappy thing is right now that's – uh, Republicans and the Democrats weren't able to pass anything in 08 to 2010. They had a freaking chance. They had the whole they – had, they, they had the Congress. They failed us on that, and then we had the situation where uh, Republicans, no political win, no political reason for them to do anything on this stuff. Uh, therefore, we get things like DACA having to be an executive order and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I, I don't. The sad thing is, I don't see immigration getting fixed anytime soon because I just don't see it being the political will of the country. Because America first, American citizens first. And we do have a lot of things to work on in this freaking country. We do. But my God, I, I just feel like Jeff Sessions could not be doing a, uh, a more inhumane job as attorney general. I think he should resign too, Mr. Trump. Yeah. Let's get him out of there. <laughs> um, on conservative news, Rod Rosenstein, obviously the uh, deputy attorney general. A lot of conservatives want him to resign. Uh, of course, he is basically the guy who is protecting Robert Mueller. 
and uh, and the Russian probe. Uh, they want him to resign because he was the one who signed the FISA warrant that allowed the courts to go in and spy on Carter Page in 2016. I understand there is a little bit of a conflict of interest in there. Uh, nonetheless, I don't believe it's the biggest issue uh, that we have at, right now as a country because I believe the Russia probe just let it let it do let let it take its course. Michael Cohen in this situation, obviously the number one lawyer for Donald Trump, aka number one fall guy for Donald Trump, going to learn pretty quickly that the loyalty goes one way. Uh, he has basically been preparing himself. Uh, for shackles and uh, imprisonment. And you think that Paul Manafort's not going to do well in prison, Michael Cohen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Paul Manafort looks at least... I'm not going to mess with Manafort because he looks kind of like De Niro's character in Cape Fear, which uh-huh. I think I reference on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. He might have a huge back tattoo of just a corpse or something. <laughs> I could see that. Michael Cohen, however, ah, no, man. Yeah. As soon as that shirt comes off for the first strip search, it's... It's he is going to be mocked. Let's yeah. just say that, and that mockery is going to lead Very much so. to a, uh, a series of horrific events. Yeah, at the time that we're recording this, there's a lot of speculation going on as to what Michael Cohen's doing uh, with his lawyers. There's a lot of speculation. He dropped the whole team. He dropped the whole team. That's where we're at right now. Everything could change tomorrow, as it always does. But we always have to make be, be careful when you're going through and reading the headlines because a lot of Ooh. times when they say Michael Cohen uh, is dropping his legal team it's like michael cohen drops his legal team and is flipping on trump and mm. it's not happening that, that's that's that, not i know i have a, a lot of that there's a possibility of that there's a small possibility of that but maybe you also have to ask yourself what's he flipping on uh is he flipping on money laundering because his that's... supporters aren't going to care about that uh is... well, i mean who even if michael cohen doesn't care anymore about this is about him no this i mean is, i yeah. mean his supporters and i mean uh, congress because the oh. law means jack shit unless you apply it so it doesn't matter what well, Cone's flipping on. Uh, if it's not direct collusion with the Russians, which, then yeah. it's not going to be. It's not going to make. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter at all. Yeah, collusion so, is very, very difficult. Uh, very difficult to prove. Despite yeah. the fact, again, wow. I mean, just Donald Trump asking asking Russia to find the emails, talking to Putin on a regular basis, and now yeah. demanding or requesting they be allowed back in. Yeah. Uh, to to form now uh, again the G8 yeah. and of course we have the situation where Rudy Giuliani which we did not even talk about evidently he was having an affair but he's 74 and quite frankly I just don't want to think about it <laughs> um, whatever okay these yeah. people are all disgusting yeah. okay yada yada we know that all I'm um, saying is that there might be a silver bullet out there but let's not spend all of our time looking for it because it's fucking exhausting oh it is but you know uh, of course with Rudy let's Giuliani let's not be so breathless all the time with Rudy Giuliani literally saying that Donald Trump could kill James Comey and get <laughs> away with it so i mean it's a it's a good it it's an interesting time as we said atop the show isn't it though a lot of things happening and uh I, you know i but again let's just so those are the big stories immigration uh, jeff sessions is the worst donald trump his administration is the worst allowing that to happen obviously with his rhetoric the dehumanization of our immigrants absolutely abhorrent uh, so that's that issue. When it comes to North Korea, Marcus and I are a little bit different. I think it's the I think the the summit was for the most part good. I actually think it was good because again, I don't feel like we're going to get blown up in a mushroom cloud uh, tomorrow like we did a year ago, where we just never knew. Okay, can I say it's almost fine? 
Good. That's good for you. <laughs> That's great. I know sometimes, and I understand, but I think you do have more of a blind hatred. I do have a very, yes. I do have a very, I, I've got a pretty, I try to temper it. As, that's why I say yeah. things like this. Is I, I try to temper it as much as I, as I possibly can. I get but, it. Uh, it. It's, uh, it's, it saddens me greatly. Oh, your, um, and your, your opinions are valid, and your emotion. Emotional response to this administration is completely uh, understandable. Um, I think I stay pretty calm, actually. No, you do. I think I stay pretty calm. You do. Um, so yes, that's that's that. That's more. That's the the most positive news of the week. I would say is uh, the North Korean summit, uh, and then of course we had the G seven situation occur, which I just have no idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> Destabilizing <laughs> no our Western allies, or destabilizing yeah. that relationship, we we still have a lot of need for them. And the the irony of the America First policy is he's not making America first. He's, no. he's going to help uh, the Chinese. Basically, at this point, our European allies have um, have concluded that they're just going to have to work together. All he's doing and is the making, U.S. is going to be left out of a lot of treaties. All he's doing is making sure that the world changes to not have to worry about the United States anymore. Yes, but of course that will all these things will all uh, come and go. I was also on HLN today talking about the Chick Fil A controversy because that's mm-hmm. significant. Um, <laughs> all right, you can find that on my Twitter. It was actually a very very good conversation. And I understand all sides on that issue. Um, okay, let's see here. Let's wrap it up. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter. Marcus Parks on Instagram. I'm Ben Kissel one on Instagram, Ben Kissel on Twitter. Um, I like Twitter only for our interactions. I'm trying my best to stay off of it because it is just so toxic mm-hmm. um, that it is kind of impossible to stay happy at all when you're on it. Yep. And uh, yeah, I guess that's basically it, everyone. All right, hail yourselves. We shall talk to you soon. Goodbye. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine.